Well, good morning. It's great to be here this morning. Welcome to all those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach. Uh, Shelly and I serve as lead pastors of this great church. And I was in Amman, Jordan last week with uh, some of the young adults from Connection Point. Uh, We had a great week there. And uh, so we got to do a number of different things while we were there. One of those things is uh, we got to partner with an English center that's there. And we had conversation uh, opportunities in the evening to visit with some of the, the people that live there in Jordan. So Jordanians and Palestinians, Syrians, Iraqis, Sudanese. So there's a lot of people that that live there in Jordan. So we got to talk with a number of these individuals, had some great conversations. And in the conversation group that I was in, the first night, we uh, right away started talking about uh, who Jesus is. And I began to explain why he needed to die on the cross. Uh, Even sometimes I think in our Christian faith, we don't have a good definition of why that needed to happen. So we were talking through that. And in the course of the conversation, uh, one of the, the young men that was there, he began to dialogue back and forth with me to say, and this is, this is how we view Jesus. And so he talked about from a Muslim background and their view of Jesus as a great prophet. And if you look at our world today and you talk with people in the U.S., there are different views on who Jesus is. You know, Muslims would say he's a, a great prophet. Uh, there are many in a secular world that would say, well, he was a great teacher, maybe a great philosopher, but Jesus is so much more. We know this, and, and, but maybe you're here this morning, you're on that journey of understanding who Jesus is, but we understand if you're in, in this place, in the way that we follow after Christ, that Jesus is more than a great teacher, he's more than a prophet, he's more than a philosopher, that Jesus is the son of God. But even if you believe that this morning, so maybe you're there and you'd say, well, I know this, but I, I guess what I'd like to challenge you with today is, but do you live like he is? Do you live with the confidence that Jesus has power over nature? Do you live with the confidence that Jesus has power over spiritual darkness? Do you live with the confidence that Jesus has power over disease and death? These are all things that we see about Jesus, but do we live in that confidence? So even if you know him as the son of God, do you live confidently in Jesus' name? So as we continue our series in Luke today, what I want to do in the passage that we're going to jump into is just examine who Jesus is. So let's let's define that. Who is Jesus? So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you do. I hope you have a Bible. You wonder, like, why in the world does he say those things? Uh, We we want everyone to have a copy of God's Word. If you don't have a copy with you this morning, feel free to grab one from underneath the seat in front of you. And if you don't have one at home, feel free to take that home as a gift from the church. But I'm going to invite you to stand today as we continue in Luke chapter 8. We're actually going to finish Luke chapter 8 today. So your legs are going to get a good stretch this morning. Because we've got some verses to read. We're going to be in Luke chapter 8 and start in verse 22. And go all the way through to chapter 9. So Luke chapter 2, or Luke chapter 8, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. It says, one day he got into a boat. So Jesus got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and water? And they obey him. That's why we're going to answer that question. Who is Jesus? Who is this? That's what the disciples ask. And so let's take a look at an answer this morning. And then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. So they were sailing across the sea. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. 
Let me pause there. Sometimes we like read through these scriptures and not think about, okay, that's a little bit crazy. Like the disciples thought it was bad on the sea, only to land on the other side and some naked crazy man who can break chains is now after him, right? How many of you feeling like the disciples are like, you know, the sea's not bad. Let me get back in the boat. You know, I'm good here. <laughs> oh, here we go. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, the son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him, he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he might break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let him enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man, and he entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had only an only daughter, about twelve years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and though she spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. So the very words of God, you may be seated this morning. So I opened with uh, explaining that today there are many views on, on who Jesus is. Maybe a teacher, a, a prophet, a great philosopher. But all of these descriptions fall short of who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? Even the disciples, and I don't want us to miss this as we work through the Gospel of Luke. Even the disciples had to arrive at their own answer for this. Let's not forget they were on a journey too. They knew Jesus was a great teacher. They had seen he had power to heal people. But where we find ourselves in Luke today is they still don't understand the real power and authority of Jesus. They don't fully understand who Jesus is. So who is Jesus? 
Well, he's more than a great teacher. Why? Because Jesus has power over nature. Jesus has power over nature. From our passage this morning, we see that uh, the disciples, they find themselves in a, in a dangerous situation. Um, so I'm going to pretend that you're in the Sea of Galilee today. I'm going to totally mess with your directions. So if you're in the Sea of Galilee, and let's say this is north up here, even though I know north is behind me. I'm not directionally challenged. So let's say north is this direction, so south is this way. This is east and west, okay? So you're in the Sea of Galilee. It's kind of an oval shape. And this is where we're at. What the, the deal is for the Sea of Galilee, it's 700 feet uh, below sea level. So that's pretty low. So there's, it's a depressed lake. And you also have mountains all the way around this lake. And then over here to the west, there's something called the Arbel Pass. So what happens is because the Mediterranean is this way, is the winds blow in off the Mediterranean, they come through Arbel Pass, and they create storm-like conditions on the Sea of Galilee. And they can do it in an instant. So this is the situation the disciples find themselves in, and they're afraid, even though Jesus is with them. I don't know about you this morning, but have you ever found yourself in that kind of situation? Like you're in the middle of something, and even though you know Jesus is there, you're still a bit fearful of what's going to happen. For Shelly and I, uh, before we had headed to Jerusalem, so before being here in West Lafayette, we were in Jerusalem. And before heading to Jerusalem, we wanted to visit with my family a little bit before we went overseas, both of our families. And, and my oldest sister at the time was living in Maui with her husband. So we sacrificed for Jesus and went to visit with her in Maui. It was really hard. Um, we had a great time with the kids. Our oldest, Nate, was four at the time. And uh, Haley was one and a half. Our youngest wasn't yet here. And, and so we took the kids and had great times at the beach with them, and um, they loved the beach. And so before we had headed back, a day before, Haley started to experience a high spiking fever. So we were giving her medicine to try to help keep the fever down, and, and as we were headed into the airport the next morning and going through security, her fever shot up again. But we made it through security, and so I went to the Starbucks counter to get Shelly and I some coffee to get the kids some milk. And so I handed uh, Shelly the milk, I'd opened the straw and given it to her, and I turned to throw the straw wrapper away, and I hear Shelly yell out, I need a doctor. And I looked, and Haley was having a seizure in the stroller that she was in. So one and a half year old. So I don't know, but if you've been in a situation where you know you're not in control of that situation, the question is, what do you do in that moment? And I'd say the disciples responded pretty well. They knew they were in a situation that was out of control, but what did they do? They went to Jesus. May that be our first response. When we're in the middle of a situation that we know we can't handle, may our first response be, Jesus, I need you. I need you to to make a difference in the situation. So in that moment, when I turned around to see that, I just whispered a breath prayer, Jesus, we need your help. And as soon as I whispered that and Shelly said, I need a doctor, within arm's length of Shelly, a guy says, I'm a doctor, I'm a pediatrician, what do you need? How many know Jesus knew that situation before we did? And Jesus says, I'm here. I've got these things under control. But are you going to look to me in those situations? God shows up in the midst of desperate situations because he wants to reveal himself to us in new and extraordinary ways. Think about what's happening here for the disciples. Would they have understood Jesus had command over nature had the storm never happened? No way. Part of what we need to understand in our walk with Jesus as we journey in our faith with him is he wants to reveal himself in ever-increasing ways. And sometimes a powerful place for him to do that is in the midst of a desperate situation. But the challenge for us is, do we have eyes to see Jesus in a crisis? So I encourage you, look for him there. 
He wants to reveal himself in extraordinary ways. At the end of this narrative, when the disciples ask the question, who is this? The question is crucial because the Old Testament makes it clear who has authority over nature. Here's what we find in a couple of Psalms. Psalm 104.3, he lays the beams of his chambers. So this is talking about God here. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. So God is the one who has control over nature. And then we find in Psalm 107, which is a really interesting psalm when you read it alongside the passage we're in today. It says, For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. That could describe the disciples a little bit. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Doesn't that sound familiar? It's amazing this psalm is written well before this event that we record, was recorded in the Gospels ever happened. But here's an interesting thought. I'm going to leave this. I'm totally not going to preach on this, but I'll let you sit on this, this little thought right here. It says, Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Okay, now if you map that over to our gospel today, what was their desired haven? What did they encounter? A naked crazy man. I'll let you figure that one out later. <laughs> Sometimes our havens aren't what we think. When you see God show up in the situations like Shelly and I experienced, uh, what we face in the airport, what you begin to do is you recognize his ability to provide in ways we didn't even think we needed. We didn't know we needed a pediatrician standing right next to Shelly, but God provided that. And what was neat in that particular instance is then uh, shortly thereafter, a guy that was about 10 feet away said, well, I'm a doctor too. They actually took Haley, put her up on the Starbucks counter, so we shut Starbucks down for a little while that morning, and helped basically uh, assess the situation of what she was dealing with. Uh, at the same time, those wives went and met with uh, Shelly and Nate, brought encouragement to them while I talked with airport security to get an ambulance. God knew the situation was going to happen. And the question was, were we going to look to him in the midst of it? God's heart is to display his faith in us. He wants to bring about greater faith in us. And we're all in a journey with Jesus. And there's different elements of where our faith is in him. And he wants to grow that even more. And he wants to reveal more of himself to us. So in a moment of crisis, you don't need to panic. You can be confident that God cares for you and he sees your situation. He knows about your job. He knows about that illness your loved one is facing. He sees that unexpected tragedy you're coping with right now. So trust that God is at work and that he has a desire to show himself real in your life. Moments of crisis, they reveal more of who God is. So keep your faith in him. Who is Jesus? He's more than a great teacher. Why? Because he has power over nature. And he's more than a prophet because Jesus has power over spiritual darkness. Jesus has power over spiritual darkness. So the disciples, they pass through the storm and they come to rest on the eastern shore of Lake Galilee. And immediately Jesus encounters a demon-possessed man who says his name is Legion. In the Roman world, Legion referred to a company of thousands of soldiers. So that's a, a pretty weighty thing that Jesus is now encountering. So, in other words, Jesus moves from calming a storm to engaging in a major spiritual battle. So it's one thing after the next. And I want to point out here, Jesus might be outnumbered, but he's never overmatched. No matter if we're outnumbered, Jesus is never overmatched. The demons ask to be sent into a herd of pigs rather than into the abyss. And I'll, I'll say this, commentators have speculated about the meaning behind this for, for a long time trying to dissect, well, what was happening there? 
And I'm just going to give you one, one thought to really be able to sit on. The incident involving the pigs, it indicates demonic presence and influence. It leads to the destruction of life. So I'll leave that thought with you. Demonic presence and influence, it leads to death. So I want to challenge us with that this morning. If there's things in our lives that we're allowing to influence us, man, we are inundated with so many messages between social media, YouTube, Netflix, I mean, you name it, billboards, which we don't have as much of anymore, but all of those things influence us. So the question is, what are we allowing to influence our lives? Is it things that lead to life or is it things that lead to death? Jesus has power over spiritual darkness. And what happens to this man? Here's what we find. He was previously possessed, but now he is set free. He's found by the townspeople sitting calmly at the feet of Jesus, restored, clothed, and of sound mind. I mean, that's a holistic healing. Jesus has rescued him from life among the dead. That's a great picture. So this man, under demonic uh, possession and influence, he's living among the dead. That's a great picture. So for us to live among the living, then we need to serve Jesus. The, the picture of this man is a great picture of baptism this morning. That when we go down and we're saying that we die to our old self and we're now brought to life in Jesus. That's part of what's happening here. We have that picture in water baptism. The business that Jesus is in is one of life-giving business. His, need, his desire is to rescue people in need. And, and what I find interesting about this narrative, here is a thought too, is that the townspeople, they weren't happy about it. We see their response. They actually asked Jesus to leave. That takes some serious courage. Why? Because Jesus impacted their economy in negative ways. In other words, those town people were more concerned with their livelihood than they were with this marginalized man on the outskirts of town. So what's the takeaway for us? Are we more concerned about our paychecks than the people in our workplaces? That's one of the implications for us today. May we be more concerned with the people in our workplaces than the paychecks that they provide. That's a thought. uh, What I also want to say here, too, is that Jesus was concerned for those people as well. So Jesus crossed that water for one man, but I think he knew that one man could change the spiritual state of that entire region. Because we see that Jesus changes the life of this man, and he asks him, stay behind. Tell others about the goodness of God in your life. Tell others what happened to you. And this is exactly what we find happens, because Jesus came really for the whole village. He came for the whole area. And this man fulfills this. Here's what we find in Mark. So same story recorded in a New Testament book called Mark. It says, and he went away, so the, the, the man who had been previously possessed, he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. So the Decapolis was ten cities on the eastern shore of the Galilee. In fact, we stayed in one this last week. Amman, Jordan, was one of the cities of the Decapolis. It was called Philadelphia. So Jesus, in reaching this demonized man, he said, now I want you to go tell my goodness to these 10 other cities, and he did it. And we see that Christianity began to take off in that part of the world as well. Jesus wanted to dispel spiritual darkness throughout the whole region. And Jesus wants to remove spiritual darkness from your life as well. Jesus has power over spiritual darkness. And the way you experience his power is to respond like the man did for Jesus. What did that man do when he saw Jesus? He ran to him. I think he knew in the depths of his soul, this man is a solution to my problems. So if you're seeking freedom from spiritual bondage, seek Jesus today. He can set you free. So who is Jesus? He's more than a teacher because he has power over nature. 
He's, he's more than uh, someone who's a, a great prophet because he's got power over spiritual darkness. And he's more than a philosopher because Jesus has power over disease and death. Jesus has power over disease and death. In the last narrative we read this morning, we find Jesus heals a woman and he brings a 12-year-old girl back to life. The woman who is suffering from a flow of blood, she wanted to touch Jesus. And her condition, it had to be frustrating. Think about this. It would have rendered her ceremonially unclean. So this woman would have been isolated from Jewish life and practice. So she's lonely. And so she's seeking Jesus for healing. And so hearing about Jesus, that she had the faith that he could heal the challenges she was facing that doctors couldn't solve, she felt like Jesus is my answer and I'm going to go seek him for it. But Jesus, it's interesting, he calls her out. He doesn't want her, her testimony to remain silent. He exposes her not to embarrass her. This is what's important. But he wants to help give her boldness in sharing her story with others. Jesus knows where each of us is in the way that we follow him and where our faith is at. And he wants to individually address us all in the way that we follow Jesus and express our faith. Because now Jesus' question of who touched him it causes a brief delay, and what we're going to find is Jesus speaks faith into Jairus as well. And it, it must have caused some frustration for Jairus, who knew that his daughter was facing severe problems, health problems. He wanted Jesus to come, but now he's paused, he's waited, and he's dealing with this woman who was healed. And things do get worse for Jairus. His daughter dies. I would imagine this announcement as they came and said, don't bother the teacher, your daughter is dead. It had to be a frustrating moment. Had to be a moment where maybe some anger welled up. Like, why couldn't we have got there faster? But what does Jesus do? He shares words of comfort, telling Jairus not to fear, but have faith. So for the woman, he says, I want you to have bold faith. And for Jairus, he says, I want you to have patient faith that I can still solve this issue. So between these two different scenarios, what we find is Jesus was bringing the woman's faith out of its shell while he's encouraging Jairus to have a patient faith, a, a faith to hang in there. How many are aware that Jesus knows exactly what each one of us needs in our faith journey? Absolutely he does. And so he's going to put us in situations and environments where he can grow our faith. Jesus knows you and he knows what you need for your faith to grow in Jesus. But are we paying attention to the lessons Jesus is trying to teach us? We've got to pay attention. I would imagine Jairus was frustrated as Jesus stopped to help the woman as his, da his daughter's life slipped away. And how many of us can struggle with God's timing? I have, absolutely. Sometimes we get in a hurry and God is saying, no, I, I need you to wait. I'm doing something here. Trusting in God's care, trusting in his goodness and power means we must accept his timing for events. It's an important part of this passage. Uh, there have been a number of times in my life where I felt like things should have happened in a different time frame, but then it didn't, and now I look back on life, and I see what God was doing there, and surprise, surprise, God worked those things out better than I could have. Are we surprised by those moments sometimes? Let God be God. Let him bring things together in his time. Let's not force things that are out of his will. Uh, within six months of our trip to Maui, our family moved to uh, Jerusalem, and so we had that incident in Maui. What we realized the doctors were able to share with us is that, that Haley had a habit of when she got ill, her fevers would jump up to like 105, 106, even 107 degrees, and her body would shut down. So that's why she would have what's called a febrile seizure. So we figured out what the problem was, but we didn't figure out what the solution was to help regulate those. They said, ah, it's not likely to happen again, don't worry about it. But then we got to Jerusalem, and within a couple of months of our being there, she got sick, and her fever was, was climbing high, 
and sure enough, she had another seizure. So we took that as an opportunity to, we need to figure out what's going on here with, with our daughter. And there's good medical care in Jerusalem, so we took her to a great hospital and asked the doctors, can you run every test that you can so we can try to figure out what's going on so that this doesn't continue to happen? And so they ran every test that they could. They came up with nothing. And so we went back home and we gathered some friends and said, we've just got to pray. We know the great physician, so can we take some time to pray? And so we did. So we took time and we just prayed over Haley. And from that day forward, she never had a high fever and she never had a seizure again. God has power over disease. He does. So do we live in the confidence that God has power over disease and death? That's the question we need to ask. You know, what kind of faith is he bringing out in this woman? Again, Jesus is building faith in us. You know that that built tremendous faith in Shelley and I as we walked through that with Haley. And he wants to build faith in us all. So, so you look at the life of this woman and what kind of faith is he wanting to instill in each one of us? We see that this woman is a faith that shares. Jesus asked this woman to share what God did, but think about what she had to do. She had to talk about an embarrassing situation, but then to say how God had healed her. When you look at the passage, it says that she came to Jesus trembling. She didn't want to share. But here's the point. Jesus wants to take a timid faith and make it a testifying faith. He wants that for all of us. If we're timid in our faith, he says, no, I want you to have a testifying faith. Are you sharing the goodness of God with others? That's what he's doing for the woman. But then we also see for the man, what is he doing? He's building a faith that says, I can wait on you, God. I can hold on even when things don't look great. So in one sense, faith is full speed ahead, while in another sense, faith is waiting on God. Our lives require vibrant faith that speaks of God's goodness and a faith that's patient. We need both, faith that speaks and faith that waits. So where are you at? Where are you lacking in faith this morning? Identify that and say, God, help to develop that faith in my life. So do you have that kind of faith? Do you share the goodness of God with others? If not, I encourage you to start doing so this week. Others need to know that God is good. Do you have a faith that waits? If not, be patient. God is working a rock-solid faith in you. So who is Jesus? Jesus is powerful. He is the Son of God. He's fully God. He's fully man. He has power over nature, spiritual darkness, disease, and death. And what I want to leave you with is, and you can have confidence in him you can have confidence in the fact that Jesus is powerful. So what kind of faith is Jesus building in you? Is he revealing himself in new ways, like he did for the disciples in the boat? Are you dealing with a hardship right now and God is saying, look for me in the storm, I'm here. I wanna show myself in new ways in your life. Is he working to set you free from spiritual darkness? Maybe as we were talking this morning, God, the Holy Spirit's beginning to reveal in your heart, hey, this is an, you're allowing an influence here that's not good. You need, to, you need to turn your back on that so that you can be influenced by things that bring life. Or maybe he's turning your timid faith into a testifying faith. One of the takeaways from our time in Jordan is the young adults that were there and our conversation nights, they said, you know, it was so easy to talk about God, to talk about Jesus, to talk about Christianity. And they concluded and said, why don't I do that more from West Lafayette? We, he wants to turn our timid faith into a testifying faith. And the last one is, is, is he building a patient, confident faith in your life? However God is working, allow himself to show himself as powerful in your life. You can be confident in Jesus because he is the son of God. I'm going to invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And we're just going to sing 
about this mighty God that we get to serve, who wears a victor's crown. And maybe you're here today, and, and part of the reason that you don't know Jesus and, and know him as powerful is you've never said that Jesus is the Son of God and I want to be connected to him. I want to be reconnected with my creator. But you're here today and say, but you know what? I don't want to leave out of this place not knowing Jesus as real in my life. For you to become a new creation in Christ, you've got to have Jesus at the center. So with every head bowed in this room this morning, I just want to invite you today, if, if you find yourself in that place and you realize, I'm really not connected with who Jesus is, but I want to be. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to say yes to him this morning. Simply raise your hand and we want to pray with you before you leave today. Anybody would say, that's me. I need to know Jesus as the son of God. I need to know him as the one that can calm storms in my life. I need to know him as the one who has power over disease and death and spiritual darkness. Jesus, I just pray for each and every one in this room. I ask God that you would help to grow our faith Lord, if we're in the middle of a, a crisis, in the middle of, of a situation that we don't have con control over, I just pray, Jesus, we look to you and to be able to gain fresh insights into who you are as God. Lord, I pray that if we have a timid faith, we gain a testifying faith. I just pray that if we're living in spiritual darkness, that we would step into the light. And God, I just pray that if we need a faith that waits, that you give us that kind of patience today. May we declare your goodness to the greater Lafayette area. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I would like to invite the prayer team to come forward as we close this morning. Uh, number one, so those prayer team members as they're up here, if you'd say, you know what, I really want to devote my life to Jesus but haven't done so, feel free to come and talk with one of them this morning. As we sing this song, a couple other things, if you'd say, you know what, I'm in the middle of a crisis, I'm having a hard time discerning what, what, what Jesus is trying to teach me in that. And if you want to come forward for prayer, pray for that today. Or maybe you're in need of healing. That maybe there's sickness in your body and you need to know Jesus has power over disease. So come forward and, and ask for prayer for healing this morning. So wherever you find yourself in your faith journey, may you take next steps of faith this morning and agree in prayer with somebody else that's up here today. But let's sing.